Welcome to the Wealth Navigation Podcast with Scott Showers from Focus Financial Group and Ryan Newton from Front Porch Financial Planning. In this podcast, Scott and Ryan focus on helping people identify their values and align those values with their most important goals, which financial planning is built on. Together, they draw from years of expertise and guest experts to explore underutilized financial planning tools and techniques in a new light. Now on to the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, Scott and Ryan here again. And today we are going to discuss the best way to achieve success in your financial life. And that's merging your money with your life. And that really begins by having clarity in your values. Before we get in too far, though, we'd like to thank the following people for their ideas um, that we're presenting in this podcast today. And that is George Kinder. Roy Diliberto, and Bill Backrack. Through their various writings and training programs, what we've been able to do is implement a process that we currently use in all of our firms to impact our client lives in more meaningful ways and help them create an inspiring financial strategy and plan so that they can pursue the, the things in life that are important to them. That's what it's all about. So, Ryan, what do you, what, what do you think of all this? Well, in my experience, uh, people are reluctant to engage with financial advisors or engage in the financial planning process for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is they don't want to be judged, um, you know, by <laughs> divulging maybe some of the mistakes they've made in regards to their money over their lifetime. They, they, they don't really want to share those uh, experiences, uh, you know, because they're negative, albeit they may have learned something from them. Uh, but a lot of times people don't want to be judged, um, you know, by a professional or anyone for that matter. A second reason is lack of trust, right? Um, sure. You know, our industry is built on trust and um, that's not easily earned, uh, but it's very easily lost. Um, and we understand that. Uh, and sometimes people have problems trusting the financial professionals in their life. Um, and they're not alone, of course. It's a very common experience for people. Uh, in fact, when we first got into the financial planning process, we were like most young advisors, Scott and I, focusing mainly on the investments and the quantitative data, you know, like account balances, allocations, types of accounts, all the technical stuff, which is important, uh, certainly. But after 20 years, well, 20 plus years of yeah. advising families and business owners, we've realized that the qualitative data, really the quality of life data, is much more important. We're talking about their goals, concerns, fears, dreams, um, <clears throat> you know, their values. Take uh, our... Take a, a client, Steve, for example, um, and we've changed his name to protect him a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> Steve, Steve always asks a lot of questions about his investments, which, of course, is not a bad thing. However, the questions were more than just the normal healthy questions. It seemed that there were some major trust issues that Steve had with money and with people. And with the help of some professional training, you know, from some of the people we mentioned before, 
We developed a series of questions to learn his attitudes concerning money and their origin. Where did these attitudes come from? And believe it or not, it went all the way back to his childhood. You see, Steve had a brother that was 10 years his elder. And this brother, like any good brother, older brother, would raid Steve's piggy bank countless times. A, a good would... brother does that, right? <laughs> I don't have any brothers, but okay. that's probably what I would do. All right. I, I, I heard a hint of sarcasm there, so I just I thought I'd ask you about that. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, so he would steal his allowance, and to make matters even more distressing, Steve rarely even got his promised allowance, even though he did all of his chores to his best, uh, to the best of his ability. You know, Steve was a hard worker, and he uh, did the things he was asked to do. And even though his family was fairly well-to-do, his allowance was often withheld from him by his father. So he had a brother that would steal the allowance if he even got it. So his father would nitpick and find a reason or an excuse, you know, not to pay him. Telling Steve, oh, you're just a kid. You're going to waste it on candy. Which sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. It's his money, right? That's right. He can do what he wants. You would think. Now, no one knows what actually happened to Steve's withheld allowance but you can see how this certainly affected Steve's ability to trust greatly. Yeah, it so, would anyone, I think. Absolutely. So, you know, you may not have had a brother or a father like Steve, but studies show that the lessons that we learn about money and the experiences we have, especially as a child, you know, when we're innocent and don't know any better, uh, they stay with us and can affect us either positively or negative, negatively many, many years later. Therefore, that's part of the reason we created this podcast. It's for people who would rather invest their time rather than just spend it. So the best way to do that is to explore your values, to take steps, to align your actions with your values and we have to sometimes ask some difficult questions learn about these experiences but that helps us move on right once we align our actions with our values so obviously we have to know our values first then we can live with integrity and consistency why because doing so helps build inner harmony congruence resilience and can result in enhanced well-being and fulfillment. Yeah, and so, what we're really talking about today is is what is really known as the values and goals-based uh, planning process, correct? Absolutely. So Absolutely. We'll, we're going to be talking some more about uh, what is values and goals-based planning, but at the same time, I, I think we should also discuss what it is not, because I... Fair. I think I think there's um, I think there's a bit of confusion out there in the, for lack of a better term, I'll just call it the marketplace. There's there's been a little bit of conflation in my opinion that has irritated me a little bit because some of the uh, I guess the bigger some of the bigger brand name firms are using the term 
a little more loosely and and using the calling it values based investing and they are not the same thing so historically we've we've seen uh what was called what socially responsible investing ryan yes and that seems to have recently just in the last few years morphed into what they're calling values based investing and what i want to be real clear on is Values-based planning and values-based investing are not the same thing because when we talk about values and goals-based in uh, planning, what we're really talking about is what your values and goals are, not the values and goals that society are trying to impose on you. And I believe that's exactly what's happening with the values-based investing side of things is that 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 represents one set of values. It may not necessarily represent your values. And and because of that, um, I, I think they should have stuck with uh, the term socially responsible and, and that type of thing that was previously used. So I just wanted to make that distinction uh, to our listening audience because it's a it's a very, very important distinction before we get too much further down the road here. That's a very good point, Scott. Yeah, uh, obviously there's some commonalities that a lot of people share with one another, but yep, uh, absolutely. We want, there's a big difference between society's values and maybe your values or your family's values. Exactly. So in this podcast, we're going to share some ideas, uh, some questions, maybe some exercises that we take our clients through that help provide a little bit of clarity, focus, motivation, and accountability. And the ultimate goal is really to progress to the point where you're living your best life and using your money for good and really living a life that you can be proud of. Again, that inspiring financial plan or strategy so that you can live your best life. And then additionally, we want to help you determine today if you're dealing with what we call a trusted advisor or someone who is simply a salesperson. Because again, another important distinction in our industry that we'll get into a little more detail here uh, in a few moments. So, And nothing wrong with salespeople uh, or salespersons. It's an honorable profession. Absolutely. Not denigrating anyone or any nope. profession. And salespersons may be all you're looking for, um, depending on what you're trying to do. But we found for comprehensive, holistic financial planning, it's better to work with a trusted advisor who's not so much focused on products or sales, but more focused on you. Absolutely. So one of the first things that I think it's that's really important to talk about is that all of us have 168 hours in a week, and how you choose to spend that time really will determine your success and happiness in life. So the reason that I bring that up is many people just don't take the time to formally identify what is important to them. Ryan, what has been your experience in this area? Well, I've found the same because it takes effort uh, and, a, <laughs> and accountability, which, you know, can be challenging to say the least, right? Um, you know, a lot of people uh, just 
kick the can down the road, so to speak. Uh, I'll deal with it uh, when it matters. And uh, a lot of time, uh, it doesn't matter until it matters, and it's too late uh, at that point. But I certainly understand um, it's a challenging endeavor uh, that takes time, takes effort, um, and, you know, like I said, accountability. And, um, you know, a good trusted advisor is someone, again, who's not going to judge you, but who will keep you honest and obviously be honest with you and keep you on the right path. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in the process of really clarifying what your values are and what's important to you, it really helps keep you on track. Um, you know, nothing's ever written in stone, but but when you clarify those things on the front end and then create a long-term plan and strategy around it that you adjust from time to time naturally. But uh, having having those values identified, I think, is a really important part of that. And the people that I've seen that take the time to do that with a trusted advisor are the ones that, that ultimately have more success long-term because at times the markets don't always cooperate with us, do they? And, no, and, and during those times, we don't want to abandon our plan. We might make some adjustments, but we're not going to abandon our plan. So, yeah, the alternative is what, Scott? The alternative, uh, the way that I have seen it is people end up kind of like that junk drawer in your house that's full of stuff. They end up, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they end up with a drawer full of investments and stuff that really aren't coordinated to an overall plan. There's not much focus. No, not, not at much. All. Probably not much fulfillment either. That's right. Right. They they have a tendency to chase the next best investment idea or return. Um, and I think um, just from some of the some of the data that we've seen, um, and I won't get into that right now at this point. But having somebody like us to help take the emotion out of things a little bit and help you focus on those values and, and goals, especially during really tough times. Uh, no matter, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's something that's personally that's happened in your life. And mm -hmm. we have those types of conversations with, with folks all the time. And, um, you know, we're going to talk in a few minutes about how life is dynamic. It's, it's not static. And, but we'll, we'll save that here for a little little while here in the in the podcast so going through our process scott and mine or a similar one obviously we are not the first or only advisors doing this like i said uh, we gained a lot of our ideas and processes and strategies over time uh, from many many different people that we've learned from but regardless uh, our process is designed to provide more clarity and focus, right? Well, so that our, our clients can do what matters most to them, right? Enhance their well-being, maybe even enhance the well-being of others around them. And Ryan, I think it's important too to point out, you know, values is a, might be a pretty loose word, but in, in the context in, in which we're working with folks and, and using it, values are really defined, and this comes right from Bill Backrack. values are those qualities and principles intrinsically valuable or desirable to you. That's a quote from Bill, and I, I really like that. 
Mm-hmm. And again, as we talked about just a few minutes ago, it, it's these are your values, not not anybody else's, not anything that's being imposed upon you. Yeah. So, for example, if one of your core values is honesty, then you'll find it easier to make decisions that are truthful and transparent, right? When you have all the facts, uh, even if they're difficult and uncomfortable, you know, not all the decisions are going to be easy um, or even clear. <laughs> no, but, and that re- that reminds me of a quote, Ryan, uh, that is attributed to Roy Disney, and this may not be exactly verbatim, but he made a statement that when your values are clear, your decisions become easier. Mm-hmm. And and when you have those identified, I, I think that's absolutely true, and, and we've, we've seen and experienced that with the folks that we work with. Absolutely, absolutely. Another value that I've come across... Um, You'll see this from matriarchs or patriarchs, you know, of the family, Uh, not always from those people, but a lot is compassion. They're very compassionate people, right? And they are likely going to make decisions that what? That prioritize the well-being of others, right? Or promote empathy and understanding. Uh, Maybe they're more philanthropic, um, service-oriented types uh, of folks. And so we can certainly build the plan around that, right? Around their uh, philanthropic endeavors or, you know, their patriarchal or matriarchal duties that they feel like they should do, uh, you know, caring for family members, whatever it may be. Uh, But we want to know what these core values are to help, uh, you know, distinguish core values, what's really in a person's heart from, you know, maybe just something they feel like they ought to do or something that would be fun to do. You know, there's a difference. Yes, there is. You want to get into that a little bit? Sure. Uh, Yeah, I would say core values, um, you know, what's in somebody's heart are those values that are deeply held, um, Another way to say it, it's something that you stand for, right? This, what do you stand for? For, In terms of money, you can think about it. How do you feel money or wealth should be used, right? Should it stay in the family, right? Should it be given away freely to those who are maybe less fortunate, right? Uh, we're only really temporary stewards, of the wealth that we accumulate, right? We can't take it with us. Uh, So what do you envision, you know, what's the best use of that wealth, right? How should that money be handled? Um, And it all goes back, again, to your core values. What do you stand for? And it's different for everybody. No, no, No one person or family does the exact same thing. And there's no right or wrong. Exactly. Yeah, we're, well, you talked about no judgment. I mean, when, when we talk with folks, I mean, this, this is definitely the no judgment zone. There are no wrong answers. There are just the answers that are right for you. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons uh, my planning firm was called Front Porch Financial Planning, Scott. And I think I've told you this, but for the benefit of the audience, I wanted to create an atmosphere that was comfortable, 
right? And when people think about the front porch, uh, most of the time they think about sitting there with a trusted friend or family member, maybe with a cold beverage, we'll call it a lemonade. Uh, and we've they all can had have, those experiences, right? Right. And they can have real conversations, honest conversations about what's really important to them. And that's what we're trying to create here with this process as well. Yeah. And, and the, the key thing after we, we'd have that discussion and find out what's important to you, really, uh, the next step is to define success in various parts of your life by clearly identifying your goals. And I emphasize your goals. So Ryan, what, uh, what uh, has been your experience in, in this regard with people that have clearly defined their goals versus those who have not? Oh my gosh. Well, it's night and day. Uh, the people that have defined these goals are, are much more successful uh, in a much timelier fashion. Um, they have peace of mind um, <clears throat> as far as they know where they're going. Um, they know what is important to them. They don't let the market or you know the business cycle, the economy dictate their uh, moves. Obviously, they're gonna uh, be somewhat reactive uh, when needed, right? And that's where sure. having a trust, trusted professional is important. But really, it all goes back to the plant, right? The investments, for example, are all built around the plant, right? What do we need? When do we need it? Um, what are the goals, right? So it all goes back to the plan, and we only make changes when, you know, dictated by the plan. Are we going to fall short from reaching our goal? Okay, well, then we need to make changes, either adjust the goal, uh, maybe change the investment allocation, et cetera. But since we have a roadmap, we know where we're going, it's easier to get back on the correct path. If we yeah. don't have clear goals, well, it's harder to track our progress, right? We won't even be able to celebrate any achievements because we won't know the milestones uh, that we're accomplishing. So if we have a clear path, a clear plan, then we can track our progress, celebrate our achievements along the way. Absolutely. And, and as far as goals are concerned, Ryan talked about a roadmap. I also use the terminology creating a financial flight plan. Mm -hmm. And the, the reason that I say that and use that terminology is because, you know, when you book a flight and you get on that airplane, no matter where it is, let's say you're leaving out of Chicago, you're going to L.A., those pilots have got a flight plan. And invariably what happens once they get to altitude, the winds are a little different. Uh, they might have weather to deal with. They have to make course corrections. And, and really your financial and, and plan and the things that we have to do in order to help you achieve your goals from time to time, as Ryan mentioned, you need those course corrections. So just trying to trying to help people visualize it a little better uh, with with what we do, it can be a little. Sometimes what we do is a little. Uh, 
I've heard the term esoteric. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to put it. That's the way one advisor put it to me one day. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you want to have the right amount of money and the right accounts at the right time to achieve your financial goals. Exactly, exactly. So identifying your core values, we start there. Also identify the things that you feel like you ought to do, right? What are the things may not be a deeply held value, but it's something that, you know, uh, would be fulfilling and something you feel like you need to do, like obviously providing for your family's everyday needs, mortgage, living expenses, education, but it could be, you know, supporting parents, siblings, other family members in need, providing an inheritance, right? Things like that. So we want to determine what your core values are. What are the things you ought to do or feel like you ought to do? And then what are the things that would be fun, like icing on the cake, having a vacation home, a boat, an airplane, a snowmobile, any type of other toy, or maybe it's, uh, again, uh, philanthropy, you know, giving to charities, just having more time, right, to do more service project. I mean, there's so many uh, more or so many different uh, values or things that people want to do with their lives, and having these conversations on the front end really helps provide some direction. Absolutely. And and that's kind of the next point. And I had alluded to this a few minutes ago, talking about life being dynamic. And, you know, that that means that things are constantly changing. And what we do is help you design a plan that will also be a bit dynamic in nature. And one of the things that I always like to ask people what is more important than money? You know, that kind of catches them off guard at times because everybody thinks, well, geez, money is really important. But just just set back for a second. And if you had all the money that you needed to achieve your financial goals, at that point, what's more important than money? And typically what we find is that things that are more important than money are health, relationships, and a lot of times people's faith. And the reason that I bring that up is because these things are more important than money. You can have all the money in the world, but if your health is horrible, uh, you've got bad relationships, or your faith or spirituality isn't in alignment with who or who you are or who you want to be, then no amount of money is going to fix that, is it, Ryan? No way. I mean, we've we've both encounter people that are extremely wealthy and they, they fall into these three categories of having poor health, uh, not so good relationships, and, and uh, they may not even have any faith or spirituality, uh, uh, things that they even pursue in their lives. So I bring that up because at the end of the day, there are things that you can delegate in your life and there are things that you cannot and you cannot delegate your health, your relationships, or your faith to anybody else. Everything else in your life, there's probably somebody that you can delegate it to. And then that boils down to asking yourself a question, being very honest with yourself. You know, when it comes to the things that we're talking about here today, are you a do-it-yourselfer? You know, you really don't want anybody's help. 
maybe you're a collaborator where you know you'd like some help but you want to be involved to some degree or are you a delegator where you would like to delegate as much of this as you can to somebody that you've developed a relationship with and you trust that will help you with your with your goals and achieving those goals and if you find that person and get that in place and you are a delegator uh, my experience has been those people are much happier because they can spend their time now on the things that are truly more important than money, such as their health, relationships, and faith. I like that a lot, Scott. And, you know, can we go back to something you said earlier about life being dynamic? Yeah, let's, let's, let's revisit that. Is, is this a, is financial planning a set it and forget it type of deal? <laughs> no. <laughs> Short I, answer. Short answer. No. <laughs> there's think, no one size fits all. No, there's not. And and that, again, we 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 talked about that a little bit on the front end by identifying your values and your goals and they're they're unique to you and each person. So, you know, the what what's put in place and done is is really crafted around those values and goals and it's not that those things change, and they might. I mean, typically people's values don't shift a lot from my experience, the things that are truly important to them, um, but, but their goals may shift. And, you know, the external environment of just life in general, again, it's very dynamic. There's always things going on. You know, right now, you know, when, when you take a look at what's going on in the world at the, at the time that we're recording this, there's... There's a war going on here, a war going on there, but guess what? That that those types of conflicts and conflict have been going on for eternity. So these are the things that we don't want people to get distracted by because they they can be really big distractions, especially if you're if you're zeroed in and focused on those things. So what we try to do is create a we've got a process where we create a plan for you based on your values and goals because life is dynamic and those plans are also flexible to, to be changed from the standpoint of making those course corrections as you need them as, as we move through life. So from what I'm hearing, we should not expect perfection from ourselves, <laughs> from anyone or from our financial plan for that matter. Um, there's no one size fits all. There needs to be regular monitoring. Sounds like, yeah, regular monitoring. Um, I, sh I wouldn't say frequent meetings, but you know, I tell everybody we like to meet at least once a year, if not two or three times, depending on uh, their service level that they've chosen. So there's there's a lot of different variables at work here, and we want to make sure that again. You know, we're keeping track of those dynamic things in people's lives and, and keeping up and, and talking about their goals. Exactly. And you have to be open and honest, right, about joyful experiences, painful experiences. Uh, we Obviously, we, we want to replicate joyful experiences, don't want to replicate those painful experiences. But everyone makes mistakes, right, with money from time to time. And we found it best to have an honest discussion 
uh, about, you know, the best financial decisions you've made, the worst financial decisions that you've made. So we can learn about some of these things. Again, no judgment. Uh, we're just trying to learn about you, learn about the things that made you happy, the things that uh, didn't work out. And I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the p- worst personal decisions I ever made uh, with my money was you I made invested- a, you made a you made a bad personal decision with your own I, money. <laughs> not just one. I'm just, but I'm only <laughs> going to tell you about this one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this was uh, years ago, right before the financial crash of 2008, right? When when real estate was just going up and up and up, right? You can't lose. I think Uh, I've heard this one before. So we thought, right? Well, I decided to invest tens of thousands of dollars in a lot, just an empty lot, some raw land in Costa Rica. And this was in 2007, um, even though I didn't really know anything about this particular um, investor that I was purchasing from, although I did see uh, some of the land that uh, he was selling, and it looked great, uh, but <clears throat> I literally told myself before I sent this guy the money that this was probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, I don't really know much about him. But I justified it by saying, oh, well, um, I don't have a family. I didn't have a family at the time. I didn't have any children at the time. I said, well, if I'm going to lose this money, now is the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, you really talked yourself into that, it. Literally, those words literally went through my head, and I maybe even have articulated them. But what kind of justification is that if I'm going to lose the money? I let the fear of missing out right? FOMO, as they call it now. Yes. Drive my investment decision, not my financial plan, right? Now, I didn't really have a solid financial plan at the time. This was about, what, over 15 years ago. Uh, But I still don't have title to that lot, right? Because everything crashed after that. They stopped cutting the lots. So I basically lost tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, I have a piece of paper that says I get the first lot whenever it's cut, uh, but oh, it has, hasn't been cut to this day. Can you go cut it yourself? <laughs> no, because I, the guy that I bought it from still has the title. And oh, boy. And they're actually, um, you know, uh, subdivided, then I okay. can't. I can't get it. So um, do you do you think if you would have been working with an advisor and had a plan laid out that that maybe you still would have made the purchase, but at least you you would have had a conversation and, and somebody just to bounce the idea off, but maybe you would have arrived at a different conclusion that, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this because everything is not lining up like I think it should. Absolutely. And it turned out just a couple of years later, Uh, When I got around to doing a financial plan and had time or taken the time to define my values and I built a financial plan around them, I discovered about a half dozen things uh, that I wish I would have had that money for. Right. Uh, Right. It was an expensive, somewhat frivolous mistake, right, sending this guy the money, um, you know, and one that I'm not proud of, obviously, but uh, it taught me a valuable lesson um, and one that I share with clients, uh, you know, when they're thinking about doing something that might be somewhat frivolous or 
risky. Um, you know, or, or out of or out of alignment with their their stated values and goals, right? That's what I was going to say. We I would okay. say let's go back to the plan and let's let's how does this fit your overall plan and your values? If it does and it checks out, right? We'll do our due diligence. Then then great. If not, uh, then let's look elsewhere. So yeah. Uh, now that was a bad decision. One of the best financial values yeah we got to end on a positive note here right (laughs) that i was taught uh as a child so credit to my father uh for this one is i try to limit my use of debt right absolutely pretty common thing we don't want to have too much debt too heavily highly leveraged so what i try to do how do i do this right because life is dynamic you never know when something may happen is I try my best to keep making a car payment into an account even after my car is paid off. So I I will use a loan to purchase a car if it makes sense financially, right? If I can get the money for cheap, but I after it's paid off, I continue to make a payment into an account. That way, when it comes time to get a new car, which you never know, right? Life is dynamic, could come sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great strategy. I don't necessarily have to use debt again. Right. Unless of course it makes sense. Makes sense. I'll have the cash available uh, to purchase a car or whatever, you know, you know, comes up, you know, any emergencies or opportunities, right. This has helped me over the years live below my means, right. As opposed to spending that money, right. That car payment that I'm making, um, if I get used to spending that, it's going to be real hard to give that up. Right? So I just continue to pay that into an account and only use debt when it makes financial sense. Um, so again, credit to my father, uh, for that one. Excellent. And and that is a great dovetail really into our, our final point that we're going to talk about today. And that is finding a trusted advisor and avoiding some salespeople, right? And the reason that we even bring this up is, you know, historically the financial services industry has been full of salespeople. You know, it's not their fault. Um, even today, there's a certain amount of sales training that takes place with, in this industry. And, you know, historically the industry made it a point to hire salespeople who could sell products and services. Um, so what we'd like to do is just arm you with a few questions that will help you determine fairly quickly if you're dealing with someone who could be considered a trusted advisor or do they fall into the category of, of being a salesperson. And again, as Ryan said, it's it's not bad dealing with a salesperson. If if that fits what you need, then then that's fine. So um Ryan, what uh what do you think about uh you know, is it a, is it a time consuming process to try to find someone to be your trusted advisor? Well, uh, it can be <laughs> depending on your location. Uh, but of course, nowadays, uh, with the internet, you can really find someone in any area to help you that, you know, is qualified and preferably licensed, obviously, um, appropriately licensed in the, where you are, but yeah, it, it can take a little bit of time. So having some questions, um, you know, 
It's important knowing some things, finding that person, right, that can help you put together an overall strategy focused on your values and goals is not an easy thing to do. It can be somewhat grueling, okay? Um, now, one of the ways that you can uh, kind of expedite this process is just meeting with people and asking some questions. Scott, do you have some good questions to ask? Well, I tell you, this is kind of reminds me of a story of, of one of our clients and her name was Kate. She had reached out to us after talking to her brother, who was also a client. Kate had moved from another state and had landed with an advisor that she wasn't really comfortable with at the time, but she didn't have the, the time resources to really talk to a lot of people and so she she went that direction anyway but after a couple of years she just felt something was missing so she scheduled a meeting with us and we went through our process with her discussing you know, the things in her life that are most important to her and we'd been talking it wasn't quite an hour I guess and she just point blank said you know we've talked about numerous things regarding me, but you have not once asked me about my investments or what I even have. And, um, you know, she, she made that point and I, and I told her, I said, we'll, we'll get to that. But the key thing was talking about what was important to her, um, and, and trying to find out, um, what, uh, what those goals were. So, the first thing you need to ask a potential trusted advisor is what is your process when you meet with a new client and can you explain that process to me? The the best advisors are going to have a clearly defined process, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, uh, what are the steps we would take in our first meeting? Um, you might want to ask that potential advisor what, what do you require from us at the first meeting? And they should be able to tell you what, uh, what they need. Um, and, you know, you can have that stuff ready to go at that first meeting. That doesn't necessarily mean that you need to share it with them. Uh, because if you get to a point where you're not comfortable, uh, you, you can just move on. But it's really important. Because if they're pressuring you to make a decision to work with them at that first meeting, you might be dealing with a high-pressure salesperson. And I guess with, with our process and approach at the end of the day, it, it has to be a good fit. We don't take on every client. It, it has to be something that's going to be a, what we feel is a mutually beneficial, long-term good relationship. Right. You... You want to be on good terms with your clients, right? I mean, you don't necessarily have to be best friends, uh, but you want to like each other, right? You want Absolutely. to work together. If you if you don't like each other, what, why are you doing business together, right? You well, have to we, be. Able, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, that's fine. You. Well, it, it's back to the point of we've all met people in our lives that we didn't really care for, and. And I think that's the same in, in really in any type of a business relationship too. Like you just said, it, it's it's important to at least like the person because if you don't like them, it's going to pretty be pretty hard to build any trust. So exactly, and a good advisor wouldn't take on a client if that advisor can't provide value to the client as well, right? 
That's um, that's absolutely true. Every now and then we find somebody that's got all their ducks in a row, all their I's dotted, their T's crossed, and they're coming to us for just a, you know, hey, will you double check, look over my shoulder, make sure everything's good. Uh, and but those most- are typically the do-it-yourselfers that I talked about earlier. And, and they, mm-hmm. they have the, the time, the capability to do all the research and do the things that they need to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But most people don't fit into that category. Most people need some help, right? They want to delegate some things. They don't. They could take the time and learn it themselves, but they'd rather invest their time doing the other things, like going to their kids' soccer games and taking their friends out to dinner, et cetera, like you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing, too, that is just paramount in, in this whole process is, you know, if you're married or have a partner, they have to be involved. So... Um, I, I can't stress that enough. Ryan and I have seen this more than once. If, if both people are not involved, whether it's a married couple or uh, a domestic relationship, whatever the case is, but it's important for both people to, uh, to be involved because if, if you don't, um, it, it ends up again, not, not being a real good overall um, plan for somebody um, because you just got one person that doesn't know what's going on and they're not engaged. So that that's that's a requirement of ours. Anybody that comes to us to work with us, that we we've got to have both people engaged. So absolutely full full engagement, right? Um, full honesty uh, is important. Um, you know, also being reasonable, um, which uh, is a kind of a loose term, but we mean, you know, we want reasonable expectations, right? And we can educate as much as we need to about how, you know, risk versus reward, et cetera, all the financial planning fundamentals. Right. Um, but the, the that client, boring stuff, exactly. there's some people that just absolutely hate that. Don't they? they their eyes just glass over. Yeah, and that's you know. okay. That's okay. Yeah. We've got a way around that, but we want you to, be reasonable, right? Be engaged, be honest, right? Um, and be inquisitive. This is your financial plan. This is your future, right? Take ownership of it, right? That's certainly a critical part. So the client has responsibilities as well. And then obviously uh, you should be able to ask honest questions and expect honest answers. And one of them, of course, is about compensation, Right. People yes. want to know how they pay or how does the advisor get paid? And that should all be clear. Right. There should be no hidden charges or hidden fees or anything like that. Don't yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, that advisor needs to clearly articulate how they are compensated. Um, no one should be expected to work for free. You or the advisor, anybody in this industry. Um, but they need to explain how they're compensated. Yeah. So, yeah. Ryan, any other uh, last-minute questions that, that come to mind maybe that, that might be helpful when, when people are, are trying to find their trusted advisor? Uh, you know, I would say uh, the client's process is the key. Uh, how the client or how the advisor and their firm is compensated conflicts of interest 
yes. are important. Um, you know, just about any relationship between two human beings is uh, there's a potential conflict, right? Um, and that's okay. Um, in fact, as a certified financial planner, um, I am allowed to have conflicts of interest, which sounds crazy. Uh, but there are certain conflicts that just cannot be avoided. I mean, the mere fact that we're compensated for our advice, yeah. crazy as it seems, is uh, a conflict. Uh, it's like, wait a minute, I can't do this for free and put food on the table. However, uh, we fully disclose those conflicts. We have a process in place to help us manage those conflicts, and we get informed consent from the client that they are okay with that conflict. Again, we don't want any surprises. Uh, we don't want any um, suggestions of impropriety or any suspicion of wrongdoing, right? Um, again, the, the presence of a conflict doesn't suggest any impropriety. Uh, we just want to be clear, forthcoming, disclose those things, uh, show you the process that we have to where it does not affect the planner's objectivity. Yeah, full, full disclosures. Everything. We're, we're human beings just like anybody else, uh, but we have processes in place to keep us, you know, within the guardrails. You know, back back to that process thing, this would be the final thing that I would uh, advise people to kind of watch out for. And I had talked about this earlier. If you're in a first meeting, you're getting pressured to sign paperwork or become a client. Um, I, I see that as a red flag. What we do is we meet with clients, and not just us, there's other advisors out there that do this too. So you have that first meeting, but at our first meeting, and that, that could be a Zoom meeting, it could be face-to-face, -face, it could be over the phone, depending on where people live. We've got folks all over the country. Um, but at that first meeting, nobody gets to make any decisions. And And what I mean by that is... Folks don't get to decide they're going to come work with us in that meeting, and we're not going to make the decision to take them on. When I mentioned a few minutes ago that we don't take on everyone, we, we do that um, not out of spite, but because we know there's certain people that we can help more than others. And, and if we need to help somebody find a different advisor, we've got other people that we can refer those folks to that are a better fit. So what we do is after that first meeting, I tell everybody, let's take 48 hours to reflect on, on what we talked about today, and then we will follow up in 48 hours and let you know if, if we think that you're a good fit for us and, and you've had time to digest the information that you received and, and the process that you uh, took part in and determine if it's right for you. So there's there's no pressure, uh, no no high-pressure sales tactics at all. And if you can find another advisor who who has a similar process, I, I think that speaks volumes because it just, you know, you're not getting, you don't want to get into that first meeting just to be sold something. Exactly right. So if you do not want, you know, a scattered plan, uh, one that seems to be all over the place, or like Scott said, a junk drawer full of incongruent investments, if that does not sound appealing, then you need to look out for salespeople. You know, I'm wearing nothing against them as, as, as human beings, but you really would be better off taking the steps that it takes, putting in a little bit of work to find a trusted advisor 
who can help you create an inspiring plan based upon your values and your goals. Ryan, I, I couldn't have said it any better. Where, where can they find you, me, if, uh, yeah. if they need to reach out? Several different places. Uh, so frontporchfp.com, www.frontporchfp.com uh, is my uh, Front Porch Financial Planning website. We also have www.versowealth.com. That's V as in Victor, E-R-S-O, Wealth. Dot com. You can find a link to the podcast and some bios, a little bit about the firm that Scott and I own together. And yep. Scott, and then, you... Yeah, and, and our, our website address is Focus FG, and that's F is in Foxtrot, G is in golf.com, so focusfg.com. And you can learn a little more about us. There's a link to the podcast on that uh, that page also. And you can uh, see the link in the show notes too, to, to all these sources. So, okay. I, I think that's it. I hope we provided some value for you folks today and take this uh, forward and, and uh, get some value out of it. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Navigation Podcast. Visit our website at www.wealthnavigationpodcast.com to get in touch with us. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Focus Financial Group Incorporated or Front Porch Financial Planning. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 